At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Uh, someone's works prove who they are. Someone's works prove who they are. Uh, we were watching on TV this week uh, the, re the repair shop. Um, it's probably divided the room at that um, point into who, who watches that and who doesn't. Sort of gentle, gentle TV. Um, the one we watched, there was a man, uh, he was presented with a 150-year-old book. It was, a, it was a Bible, a Victorian Bible. It was in absolute bits. It was just tatters, um, pages just falling apart, the edge of the pages falling apart. It's a really lovely story behind it, as, as ever. And you follow, you follow it through. A couple of days later, he's been working on it. How many hours? I don't put in. But then this beautiful moment when he pulls it back and presents this beautiful, restored book. And, you know, the, the tears are flowing. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Beautiful. He revealed his identity through his work. Turns out the guy was a book bookbinder. That was his trade. That was his job. And by all accounts, he was an absolute expert at what he did. His work revealed his 
identity. Jesus' work reveals his identity. It proves who he is. And John, in his book, as we've been going through it, this eyewitness account of the life of Jesus, is we, we've said interested in three things in particular, uh, uh, evidence, identity, and belief. He wants to give us signs that show who Jesus is, the identity, so that we can come to have belief, and belief that gives us life in Jesus. And the question at this point of, of John is, what are you making of the evidence so far? Where are you at with the identity of Jesus? Who is he? Especially what do you make of the works or the miracles of Jesus? In our little return to John, we've, we've seen one of those in John chapter 9, this, this sign of the, the blind man. But there have been others before uh, then as well. The question is, is this leading us to belief? Maybe for the first time we're looking in on the Christian faith. But for all of us, John expects that this will be leading to deepening belief for us. So is that happening? Verse 37 is the key verse, I think, of, of this uh, little section. And it's what we're calling the talk. Um, verse 37, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe the works, says Jesus. And so today, if we're not yet believing, we can come to believe in Jesus on the strength of his works, on the strength of his miracles, even though we've not seen them. Think about it. You and I believe in lots and lots of things that happened based on the eyewitness evidence of others. Events from history that we believe that happened, though we weren't there. And Jesus expects that, that, the same, that that's the same with us. In fact, he expects that most people in history will come to believe in him, having not seen the works in person. He says later in the book, blessed are those who have not seen and yet has believed. It's Jesus' working assumption. But the majority of us here would be believers, We've believed in Jesus' work already. And actually, we're building a lot on the works of Jesus that prove his identity. We're staking our lives, our eternity, on the works of Jesus. And this passage for us helps us to check the foundations again. Jesus assures us through this passage that we're right to believe the works. It proves that we're his sheep. It proves that we're safe forever. So this morning, believe the works of Jesus. And we'll see two things about them. Believe because, first of all, they reveal our identity. And second, they reveal his identity. Let's take those in turn. First of all, the works reveal our identity. This is verses 22 to 30. Now, since chapter 7 of this book, we've been at something called the Feast of the Tabernacles. It's been a sort of festival of light and water. And now at the start of our little section, we're told that we're at the Feast of Dedication. Let me just read uh, a couple of verses. Verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? 
If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, this Feast of Dedication, it was, uh, it was a time when the Jewish nation celebrated an event that we saw when we studied the book of Daniel a bit earlier in the, in the year. This is called uh, Hanukkah uh, today. Um, but it was a, it was a feast that um, remembered what Daniel predicted, which was that one day a man called uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, remember that name, would come into the temple and desecrate it. He'd destroy it. It was predicted and it happened. But in 165 BC, um, uh, he was defeated by a group of freedom fighters. They were called the Maccabees, and uh, they were rescuers. They came in, and the temple was restored. The temple was dedicated again to God, you see, and that's why it's called the Feast of Dedication. So that's what's going on as they celebrate these, um, uh, these events. And uh, here is Jesus, and he's in the covered porch of Solomon, just a part of the temple, and uh, it's winter, so I don't know, maybe he's doing a, just a couple of laps just to keep warm, just walking around, just keeping warm as he is in the winter. And, and all of a sudden, he's cornered by the, um, by, the, by the Jews. The Jewish leaders encircle him. And uh, verse 24, they literally, they say, how long are you going to annoy us? How long are you going to keep annoying us? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. So you see, it's a question about the identity of, of Jesus. Is he the Christ? That word, the Christ, um, it's the, the, the Greek version of, of the Old Testament concept of Messiah. So are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that God promised who would come and be the rescuer of God's people? And it seems a reasonable uh, request. They're saying, you know, they're suggesting at least the reason that we don't believe Jesus is there hasn't been enough evidence. You really need to use words clearly, Jesus. And Jesus says, verse 25, that's not true. Uh, he says, I, I have spoken clearly. I told you, and you didn't believe. Jesus says the problem isn't on his side, it's on their side. Now, it's true, as you look through John's um, gospel account, he hasn't used the term sort of Christ um, openly with, with the Jewish leaders. But back in chapter 4, there was a woman at the well who came to him and said, I, I've heard that the Christ is coming. And Jesus said, I who stand before you am he. She's not, he's not hiding it away. Uh, he couldn't be clearer in the metaphors that he's used. Um, I'm the bread. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd last week. He couldn't be clear in using this I am statement that, that he is saying that he is the unique son. He's, he's the son of man. And what he's doing is in these verses is he's amplifying that concept of, of Christ in case it just got reduced down to sort of some political um, rescuer type figure, religious political. Um. Now, Jesus wants to amplify it to its fullest. So that by verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Well, Jesus has told them all right. They've, they've heard, but they don't believe. And actually, Jesus makes that extra point at the end of verse 25. He says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Uh, the works or, or the miracles are my evidence 
But Jesus said, you heard the words and you didn't believe. You saw the signs and you don't believe. Notice again that time and again in in John, it looks like um, Jesus is in the dock. They're coming to ask him questions, but Jesus turns the spotlight back on them. And in the second point, we'll see how Jesus' miracles reveal his identity. But here, his works reveal our identity. Or rather, our response to his works reveals our identity. Did you see in verse 26? You don't believe because you're not part of my flock. Jesus says the reason we don't believe is we're not part of Jesus' flock. And I think within these verses, there's a warning for us and there's a comfort. There's a warning because here are some people saying, look, we're we're with Moses. We're with God. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Your your non-acceptance of my works, your lack of belief proves that you're not part of my flock. In fact, Jesus would say today that that any religion, any person who says, I don't need Jesus to be in with God, is wrong. Say that again. Jesus would say, anyone or any religion who says, I don't need Jesus to be in with God, is wrong. For as long as we stand there, we're not part of Jesus' flock. It's a warning. But it's also a comfort here. Because notice that the reason they don't believe is not because the evidence is weak. Do you notice that? They never deny that the miracles uh, happen. And so you and I today, we don't need to wobble about that. Did they happen, didn't they? People at the time just acknowledged that they happened. No, no, the, the reason they don't believe is that they don't want to believe or follow Jesus. And they're responsible for that. And that's just the same today. There's plenty of evidence for the works of Jesus, but most of my friends who don't believe, don't believe not because they've checked out the evidence and found it wanting, but they don't want to believe or follow deep down. And so do you see that Jesus' works can reveal our identity through our response negatively. It can show that we're not the flock of Jesus But it can also reveal positively to us that we are Jesus' sheep. And this is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I and the father are one. So Jesus is assuring us, if today we are um, believing in him, listening to his voice, Jesus wants to assure us that, that we're his people. He says, you're my sheep. He says, I'm your good shepherd. And then he reassures us with all that we have in him. For a start, there's intimacy in verse 27. I know them and they follow me. So Jesus doesn't. Um, Jesus isn't a leader uh, who looks out on a, on a sea of faces and uh, and he's you know, like 
party conference, not a leader who looks out and he's just, he's just doesn't know, you know the names of the individual people. I mean, maybe these leaders do, I don't know. But, you know, Jesus looks out and he doesn't say, so remind me, sorry, who are you? I, I don't know your name or has an aide who's alongside just whispering in the ear saying, this is, this is, it's not like that with Jesus. No, Jesus knows us in all of the vastness of the universe. Think about it. Among all of the billions of believers, he knows you. He knows you more than you know you. He knows you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. There's there's intimacy, as we heard last week. He, he knows you and he loves you. He died for you. And because of that death and because he was raised, he's the Lord of life who can give us eternal life. Give us, not that we earn it. He gives us the gift of life. Life where we'll always exist. Life where we'll never perish. That's what he says. I'll give them eternal life. And they'll never perish. They'll never face the second at death, that they'll enjoy forever the abundant life I spoke of last week, full, physical, joyful life, life in God's wedding, banquet, party, city forever, where we drink from him as we drink from the waterfall of happiness. Jesus says, I know them, I give them life. So there's intimacy, there's life, lastly, there's security. He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, when he takes a hold of one of his sheep to save them, he does not let them go. Jesus is saying here, in effect, if anyone thinks that they were a false shepherd that we heard about last week, if anyone thinks that they can snatch one of my people out of my hand, they've got another thing coming. Who do they think they are, says Jesus? Do they not know how strong my grip is? I remember being at a, a, a wedding a few years ago and, and being introduced to um, a professional rugby player who was, who was there on the day. And it's one of those occasions, large guy, you go up to him, you hope that you, you know, he puts out the hand, you hope that you'll give a strong grip. It's one of those ones when he, he sort of got a hold of mine and I, I sort of missed it and I wanted to have another go and do a better, firmer handshake. But when he got a, when he got a hold of my hand, it's like, oh, it's like sort of bone-crunching, big grip, big paw of a man. Uh, poor of a hand, not poor of a man, poor of a hand. <laughs> Poor of a hand that took hold uh, of mine, and mine just sort of sunk into it. The strong grip, the strong grip of a strong man. And Jesus says, it's not just me, it's not just my hand. He says, my father is greater than all. He has no rivals in the universe. You think you can snatch someone out of his hand? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? No. No, says the Father. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. He and I, verse 30, are one. That is, we are utterly united in the purpose of keeping our sheep to the end. We are one in being, that, that, that idea of oneness. We're one in being of the same nature. We're, we're, we're one in godness. That's part of what's going on there. But we're also one in action. One in activity. We are in perfect harmony and unity, in absolute determination to keep the sheep safe and joyful forever. 
So Jesus says, no one can snatch my sheep out of my hand. And that is a great reassurance for us as his sheep listening to his voice, abiding in him. So do you see first, our response to Jesus' work, it reveals our identity. It can reveal for us that we're not part of the flock yet, or it can give us great assurance that we're Jesus' sheep, reassured, known by him, and kept. The second part of it, verse 31 to 33, believe Jesus' works, they reveal his identity. Verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. We can be in no doubt here that Jesus was claiming to be God. If you wanted to do so within the Jewish mindset of the day, statements like, I and the Father are one, would do it. Or, I am doing the works of my Father. And the Jews were in no doubt as to what he was saying. Verse 33, it's not for a good work but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, make yourself God. And so the scene is set. They are reaching down to pick up rocks, one in one hand, one in the other. They are loaded and ready to stone Jesus for blasphemy. And it's quite a moment. And as they take aim with the rocks, Jesus, well, he acts quickly to stop them. He quotes from the scriptures. He knows that that's the authority they'll listen to. It's an odd moment in a sense, but this is what he does. He just stops them in their track by quoting scripture at them. He quotes from Psalm 82. You can look it up later if you want. And we've got the, the quote there, verse 34. Is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? It's a little bit of a, a tricky bit. Let, let, let's have a go. In this Psalm, uh, Psalm 82, God is, is referring to a group of people and he's calling them gods. You can see that. Is it not written in your law? I said, that's God saying, you are gods. Now it's debated as to whether he's calling the judges of Israel or the whole people of Israel gods. But somewhere in Psalm 82, that's what's happening. He calls a group of people gods, lower, lowercase g. And Jesus says... If you accept that such a category exists, which you do because it's in your law, in the scripture, and scripture can't be broken. If you have room for a category like that, then you should have room to accept that I can call myself the son of God and not be totally against scripture. Do you see what he's doing there? He's just, in a sense, he's just stemming the tide in the heat of the moment. But he's also making a point about the Bible. He says, sorry. he says, you should have room to accept that I can call myself the Son of God and not be against Scripture. In other words, that there is a category, you can call that, and not be in competition. I'm not setting myself up as in competition, as a rival God. 
So at that point, he's just slowing them down, stopping them in their tracks. But then he goes on to add layers as well. He says, I'm not blaspheming. You say that I claim to make myself God. He says, I'm not doing that. I'm claiming I am God. I'm the one who pre-existed. Do you see, that's why he can say um, he's the one who sent me into the world in verse 36. God sent me into the world. I existed before time. I had to be, to be able to be sent. And, and he, he adds others layers as well. He adds consecrated in verse 36. Why do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world you're blaspheming? That word consecrated, he's just he's lobbing it in, in a sense, because it's the Feast of Dedication. You remember we said that at the start? He says, you're celebrating the dedication of the temple, but I am the true temple, consecrated by God, dedicated, set aside for the mission that I'm doing. Or he could come at it another way. He'd say, at this feast, you, you honor freedom fighters. But the greatest freedom fighter who's ever been is standing before you, and you dishonor him. You say he's blaspheming. So Jesus is, is slowing them down before he returns to his main theme. And his main theme is this thing about the works uh, or the miracles. It all boils down in this last bit of the verses to this. Did the miracles of Jesus, the works of Jesus, happen? Is Jesus doing the work of his father? And Jesus is saying to them, it's make your mind up time. It's make your mind up. Well, they can't deny the miracles, and they don't. They can't deny them because they, they happen. Jesus did them. He did the water into the wine. He did healings. John 9, they had a full investigation into it. The blind man saw. It happened. So they can't deny the existence of, of miracles. And they've also had conversations about the source of the miracles in, in, in recent chapters. Uh, you know, demons. Is he from a demon? Well, demons can't do this. He must be from God. And Jesus is doing just the sorts of things that God does. Genesis 1, God says, let there be light. John 9, Jesus says to the man, let there be light. And their good works, verse 32. Jesus says, for which of my good works, from the good shepherd, are you going to stone me? So, so you see, Jesus' miracles, his works, that they happened, and they're fully in line with what God is like. They're fully in line with the God who's creative, who restores, who brings healing. And so Jesus lays it on the line. And let's just follow Jesus in verse 37 closely. So please look down at this, uh, this key verse. He says, If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. That's the first thing. If I'm not doing the works of my Father, don't believe me. But he is. So what then? Verse 38. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So Jesus says, if I do them, which he does, then believe. Let's think about that, try and understand that and take it into our, our lives. 
Jesus is saying, you might not believe me on the basis just of my claims, of my, of my words. Okay, says Jesus, you might not. But believe my works. Start there. They happened. They are in line with God the Father. It's a slightly odd move, isn't it? You might just expect him to say, just believe in me. And just believe me. And, and other, other places he does. We'll see in John 11 next week. He says, do you believe? I'm the Lord of life. I'm going to go into the tomb and raise Lazarus. Do you believe? Believe me. But here is a slightly different play, in effect. He says, just draw some conclusions about where the signs point. And as you believe them, you'll come to believe me. See, Jesus is saying, my works are the way in. Believe them in order that you may have opened before you a world of understanding. You'll come to know, he says at the end of those verses, he says, you'll come to know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He says, you'll come, if you believe in my works and believe in me, that's the world that will open up before you. You'll see that my Father and, and I are of, of the same nature. We're, we're, we're one. So that in verse 30. That's why we act as one. But you'll also see more. You'll see that we're distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. But, but not distant persons. No, no. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. We indwell each other. There, there's intimacy within uh, the Godhead. You'll come to know and understand those sorts of things when you believe in me. Believe the works, he says. They're the way in to a world of understanding. And so again, let's take that into our lives. John is calling all of us, wherever we stand today, very simply, to believe the works. For some of us, maybe we're, we're starting on belief, maybe for the first time. And this thing, believe the works, I think can really uh, help us. You know, maybe we're here and we've been listening to these sermons and we think, well, how do I go forward? What, what do I do? And Jesus says, you know, if you're confused about where to start, make a decision about his miracles. That'd be a good and a sensible step to take. Did they happen? Is Jesus acting as God? It's actually fairly easy to come to a conclusion on, on that. In one sense, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were eyewitness history. They were written down early when eyewitnesses were still alive. And so we don't just have to sit and wait to be zapped by God to become Christians. We can actually just investigate with ordinary certainty. We could just read a whole Gospel for ourselves and ask those questions. We're doing John at the moment. We've mentioned this from the front before. The word one-to-one. It's an excellent place to start. It's got the Bible passages on the left and some notes on the right, designed to read on your own or with a friend over a coffee. There are lots in the church who have used or are using. If you'd like to do that, chat to me. I'm sure there's someone in the church family who'd love to do that with you, just to investigate. So, so we, we, we go through that. Alongside that investigation, I guess there's a degree of humility as well. We say, Jesus, I need you to open my eyes. It's not just a sort of intellectual exercise walk through the, the hoops and everything falls into place. We also say, please help me, as the blind man did in, in John 9. But we're asking, what happened? Who's Jesus? Why would the eyewitnesses make it all up and then die for what they said they saw if it didn't happen? Those are questions we ask as we investigate it. 
And Jesus is pushing us, I guess, if we're, we're looking in to make that step. He's saying it's make your mind up time about me. If you're not, uh, but, but he'd say as well to you in that situation, if that's you, he would say, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe in me. He would say that to you if you're looking in on the Christian faith. If Jesus is not doing God's works, don't believe him, rule him out. But also call him the fraud that he is, if that is the case, for making these claims when he's not. But if he does the works, says Jesus, believe. And you'll join the people in verse 40 and 41 and 42, the many who believed and the million since who believed in him. So believe the works. It's the first step. It leads to understanding and to this relationship of intimacy with God. And look, if, uh, if the signs so far haven't been enough, why not come back next week and see John 11 as he raises Lazarus? Or come back in, in the future and hear about the, the big sign, the resurrection of Jesus. But as I said, most of us here this morning are believers. So how do we take this idea of believe the works into our lives. Well, really, it's the same for us. It's the first step for us to believe the works, but it's also the thousandth step as well to keep going as Christians. It's the way into ongoing uh, belief. It's the truth, the, the evidence for the works. It's the truth that sustains us on the journey. Because as we know that the intellectual and the personal challenges will come. So perhaps our faith is being challenged by friends or family. They ask questions and, and we start to wonder, what well, is this Christian faith that I've been following, is it true? Is it good in the culture that we live in when the culture says it's not? How am I going to keep going? Why would I raise my kids in, 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 in the Christian faith? And Jesus says to us, believe the works. Believe the works. Go back to basics. Is it true? Did Jesus do the miracles that he said he did? If not, what is our explanation for that? How about the resurrection? Did it happen? Believe the works, says Jesus. And many of us would have done that at different times in our lives. We'd have just gone back to, 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 to the basics. Maybe we had something of a crisis of faith. Maybe we wouldn't put it in that category, but we just had to go back and look at it for ourselves. I think I've shared this from the front, that personally for me, uh, 10 years ago, uh, when I had a, a spinal uh, injury, for me, questions about heaven and eternity took on new importance uh, for me. And I needed to be certain that the resurrection of Jesus happened. And so I went back to basics. I read the Gospels again, so I spent some time doing it. I, I, I read this book, among others, Who Moved the Stone and Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And I went back to basics and I came out stronger convinced these things really did happen. I would say I believed the works again and more deeply. And I wonder, have you done that for yourself? Have you strengthened your faith for the intellectual and the personal challenges that will come? The trials will come. It's much better to get ready for the trials before they come, to put the foundations in place before the storm hits. It'd be good for all of us as Christians to do, just so that we can answer our questions more clearly at work. Just so that we're ready when the trials come. We know that Jesus died and rose again. We believe the works. It'd be good for us as Christians just to read books that strengthen that, those convictions. Because the days will come for all of us 
when we need to believe the works. When our mental health is, is, feels so dark that, that we don't know the, the, way, the way up. A, a terrible tragedy strikes or health fails. Or we lie in our hospital bed at the, bed at the end of life and the doubts just come. And Jesus says, at all of those times, believe the works. Believe the works in the trial. Believe the works then. But believe the works now. I'll finish with this, and um, you've heard me say this before, I'm sure, but John Chapman, the Australian evangelist, and I probably overquoted this, but he, he would say uh, as an uh, older man, as the questions came about, is this true? Am I going to keep going as a Christian? And very honest, you know, older church ministers said that. He would say that sometimes he would sit on the edge of his bed as he got out in the morning, and, and he would have those questions, am I going to keep going? What am I going to do? And what he said to himself was, he said, Chapo, he said, do you have any new evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen? And he'd think to himself and he'd say, no, I have no new evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. I know it happened. And then he'd say, well, Chapo, get out of bed, get on with the day, keep going as a Christian. Do you see what he was doing? Believe the works. Believe the works, he was saying to himself. And it's the same for us. Believe the works, says Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that our faith is not based on a myth, but on history, on events that happened, works, miracles. And we pray for wherever we are that you would help us to believe the works for the first time or to, to believe again what we believe, to, to live that out in the trials of, of life and the challenges. And thank you as we do that, that you, you reassure us that we, we really are your sheep, that you know us intimately, that you give us eternal life and no one will snatch us out of your strong hand. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.